to a Why Is This News edition of the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com, your SB Nation blog covering all things Ohio State Athletics 24-7-365. My name is Matt Tamanini. I'm one of the co-managing editors for the site, and I am joined today by one of our contributors and Land Grant Editor Emeritus, the lovely Buckeye herself, Bleeding Green Nation's Alexis Chasen. Alexis, on a scale of 1 to 175, how excited are you that Carson Wentz is coming back this weekend? 8,642. Wow, that is oddly specific. You know, I'm super duper pumped. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speaking of returns, we're going to start today's episode looking back at the week that was in Ohio State Athletics. We're going to start with the biggest news of the week, and that is that Urban Meyer is officially off suspension completely, full-time, no ifs, ands, or buts. He gave his first Monday press conference and... I'll be honest with you, Alexis, I was a little surprised that he pretty much for almost an hour, about 57 minutes, answered questions almost exclusively about his handling of the Zach Smith allegations, the suspension, and all things related. Very few questions and very few answers about actual football things. We did learn about one or two things, which we're going to talk about here in a second, but for the most part, Urban Meyer answered any and all questions about how he got himself into this situation. I don't know that he necessarily answered them in a way that gave us a lot of new light. It was pretty much things that he'd said either in previous interviews and press conferences or in his dozen or so statements on Twitter. But I I was a little taken aback by the fact that we didn't get Jerry Emig, the uh, uh, SID at the beginning, say, um, okay, everybody, we're going to just focus on football questions here. You know, I kind of thought we would get that, but we didn't. Urban was open to answering anything. Yeah, I feel like, you know, it's the elephant in the room. So I definitely respect his decision to talk about it. Although I think everybody is over talking about it. I mean, the details are what they are. Does it matter at this point? It's over. But I also think like there is a football game this weekend is there? and I would have liked to hear some of that stuff. I mean, what has he seen? Like, what did he, like, I know that he talked a little bit about watching the game and having a hard time and all of that, but you know, what did he see from the team? What does he want to work on specifically? What does he think of the young players? You know, some of those things that we haven't gotten to hear from. Yeah. We didn't really get a ton of that, but that's not urban's fault. That's, uh, was, the was, primarily because the questions focus mostly on everything else. Now, there were some people, some national folks, uh, Tim May, kind of the dean of the Ohio State beat, asked some pretty pointed questions of Urban. I thought uh, Lori Schmidt from 105.7 had some really interesting uh, questions she was trying to dig into. But for the most part, it was rehashing a lot of the stuff. I don't know that Urban Meyer achieved what he was hoping to achieve from that press conference. I think he was trying to get his position and his take on the situation to be the defining narrative of this. I, judging by the media coverage afterwards, I don't think he helped himself. I think he made it worse. But I agree with you because that is such a big story. I don't know that he can do that press conference and get out of it in a positive way. I think this was always going to be how it ends. Right. And I feel like this was really like the press conference right after the announcement of his suspension, like, that was completely out of his comfort zone. You know, I think there was a big mistake by having all the students in there. I mean, it was it was kind of like, you know, a mess. Like but Ohio State feel- handled this completely awfully from the PR standpoint from the start? 
Yeah. I mean, from the beginning, but that, I feel like this was finally his comfort zone. He knows these reporters, you know, he talks to them every week, most of them for, you know, the last five, six years. And, you know, this little smaller group of people who he can actually get his intentional thoughts out, um, whether, you know, they helped or hurt him, that's to be, you know, a different story. But I feel like that was his moment. So, you know, he took the opportunity to get it out in his comfort zone. And now hopefully he can learn from it and everyone can learn from it and we can not have it again. <laughs> either to talk about it or to have to go through it. Um, one last thing I want to say about this, and I don't really want to relitigate this, but I genuinely believe that despite what the national narrative is, that Urban Meyer is and tries to be a good, decent person. I think like a lot of people, though, a lot of people who have had you know pretty good lives, and I'm not talking about you know, like white privilege. And I'm just talking about like, he hasn't had to deal with a ton of issues in his life directly. I think the, the, what came across to me in that press conference is that Urban Meyer absolutely um, abhors the concept and the idea of domestic violence. But it seems very clear to me that despite this month and a half of hardship and difficulty regardless of whether he or anybody else thinks that the accusations against Zach Smith levied by Courtney Smith are true, I don't think he's done either the academic work or the empathetic work to really understand what domestic violence is, how it hurts people, and how it impacts people throughout the course of their lives, and then how it is treated by society. I think if he had done that work to the level at which I truly believe that in a theoretical sense, he objects to domestic violence, I think he would have presented himself in a much different way. And I don't, again, I'm not saying he's a bad person. I'm not even, this is not really even about Courtney Smith. It's just, I think he, if he would have done gone through that process emotionally and academically read up on how these things manifest in, in volatile relationships, I think he probably would have been a little bit more sympathetic to the perception that he gave off both in that initial press conference following the suspension. And again, I understand and I, I, I sympathize with him that it was a tough day, but still on Monday, I felt like he missed the boat on that part of it. And I don't think it's because he's a bad person. I just think it's because he hasn't put himself in a situation to really understand it. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And like I said, I just hope that, you know, as far as the immediate situation, it is over. So hopefully he starts taking those steps and just learns from this and does maybe take a more invested interest in the topic to better, you know, teach himself, but then to teach, you know, his players that, mm -hmm. you know, you practice what you preach and, uh, you know, that's one of our core values. And this is why it's a core value because it's such a problem, you know, widespread problem and, you know, give some stats and those things. And, really give more of an empathetic look to it, but there's nothing, you know, hindsight's 2020. So just hopefully moving forward, that's, you know, more of a priority. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So speaking of moving forward, one of the actual football-ish related things that Urban Meyer mentioned in his press conference on Monday is that multiple times he said that Ryan Day is, quote, 
elite, meaning that he is an elite level coach. He said that he'd been following Day's career for years before he was actually finally able to get him on his staff. He knew that when he hired him that he was going to be a difference maker, and that manifested itself, and that proved to be true when Day took over the team for these three games to start the 2018 season. The program thought that Day was so elite that they gave him a one-time lump sum payment of $480,000. On money, top- money, money. Yeah, which is on top of like the 115000 that he made from his normal contract <laughs> for that six-week period. Now, Alexis, I don't believe that there was anything contractually built into his original agreement with Ohio State that would say, you know, if Urban Meyer gets suspended and you have to take over for three games, this is how much you have to make. Um, so I think that this had to have been some sort of agreement that the university and Day's agent came to. Um, but to me, this seems pretty hefty, especially considering he said, yes, it was a little extra work, but really it wasn't all that different yeah. from the beginning. And considering that <laughs> for like two of the six weeks, he, he only had extra responsibilities on game day. So to me, if I'm reading between the lines, what this says to me is that, and I wrote about this um, on Wednesday, Urban Meyer said that his love for Ohio State is unwavering. He said that in his press conference on Monday. He said it on his call-in show on Thursday. So I have no reason to believe that Urban Meyer is eminently going to depart the Ohio State University. But I wouldn't be surprised if Ohio State said, hey, here's a a couple extra hundred Gs to Ryan Day. If Urban decides to leave in the next few years, maybe stick around and we'll give you an even bigger contract to take over. Oh, yeah. This is definitely... We appreciate you, and we want you to know we appreciate you. So please don't leave us for another employer. USC. (laughs) Yeah, because Ryan Day's original contract is for three years. They bumped him up to a million dollars after last season. And each season in his contract has incentives where they are substantial pay jumps because they wanted him to write out that three-year contract just in case something happened with Urban. Now, we... Earlier this year, Urban signed an extension on his contract, so I believe it's 2022 is how long he will be here. If not, maybe it's longer than that by now. But, you know, if I were Urban Meyer, I I would love to come back this season, maybe win a national championship, and then say, you know what? Peace out. I don't need this anymore. And then Ryan Day takes over. So I'm not kicking Urban out the door. He's obviously a Mount Rushmore coach and figure. But if he decides to leave... I think I'd be okay with Ryan Day taking over. I wouldn't be mad about it. I'll be pretty excited about it, to be honest. You know, things are looking good. And I think that little bonus probably was a little bit too, because what did Urban Meyer say that he's going to be more of a game manager now because Mm -hmm. Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson have been doing such a good job in the play calling department. So, you know, I'm sure that that's, something that now is on his plate a little more than it was in previous seasons. So it might be a little that too. Yeah. And Patrick and Colton had a great discussion about this in the two, uh, two lane preview episode here in the podcast feed just on Wednesday night. We'll, we'll see how that actually happens or not. <laughs> yeah. If that right, actually happens right. or not with urban uh, deciding to pull back, but it's a different type of offense now with Dwayne Haskins running the show rather than a running quarterback like JT Barrett, like Braxton Miller. So we'll see what happens. But um, in addition to that game manager thing, the only other really bit of news that we got from Urban Meyer this week was that star defensive end Nick Bosa did have surgery on, quote, a core muscle injury that he sustained uh, against TCU. 
let's be honest, Alexis, you and I were both watching that game. He pointed to his groin. He he yeah. he heard he heard his groin. It's a probably- lot, a lot, and they were zoomed right on yeah. on him, and he just was like a little boy <laughs> laying on the mommy, field, like mommy. yeah. Please yeah. help. I'm hurt. It hurts here. Yes, exactly. And so that probably I don't want to speculate. I do not play a doctor on TV, um, but that's probably a sports hernia. Um, the timetable on something like that is generally four to six weeks. Not ideal for Ohio State, considering they play Penn State in a week, uh, a little over a week and eight days. Um, it would be really, really nice to have him back on the field. But let's say it does take six weeks. That probably brings him back after the bye week. So he will be back on November 3rd against Nebraska. You know, after Penn State, not a ton of those games are super scary. But you'd love to have him for Penn State. However, if he is going to be gone for an extended period of time, that means that the uh, defensive ends for the team will probably be Jonathan Cooper and Chase Young. Chase Young, uh, we've talked about before. Colton and Patrick have talked about him on their version of this show. Super athletic, super talented, not the most consistent. I really like Jonathan Cooper. I actually saw him when he was an Ohio State recruit when he did uh, the Nikes, the opening here in Columbus. Hmm. Yeah, And he was just so impressive. And he, I feel like, has been a little overshadowed, obviously, behind such big guys. But, you know, you have heard his name a little bit more the past couple weeks. Like, I think he's earned himself, uh, you know, one of those roles in the rotation. And not that I'm, ex- you know, excited to see him because Nick Bosa's out, obviously, if you had to right. choose Bosa all the way, all the time. But um, I am excited for Jonathan Cooper to sort of get his moment because I think he has the potential to really, you know, be that next, uh, you know, like Draymond Jones. Yeah. And he's uh, interesting because he has been playing a lot. He's been even starting at times. So it's not like he's completely raw and has no experience. Generally, when you think of losing somebody of the caliber of Nick Bosa, who is arguably the best defensive player, if not the best player in the country, you think, oh, crap, that's a huge drop off. But no, you've got another former five star recruit um, who's going to come in and who has experience taking over. So, I yes, it'll be a step back because Bosa is so good. But I feel like the Ohio State defensive line, because of the greatness of Larry Johnson, both as a coach and a recruiter, is in as good a shape to absorb that loss as anybody in the country between Cooper, Young, Draymond Jones, Big Bob Landers. I feel like that starting four on the D-line should be able to do a pretty decent job against anybody. It'll be interesting to see what happens against Tulane. If they try to get some chemistry between those four on the field more than they would have if Bosa was there and they might start pulling people after, I don't know, a quarter when they're up 102. You know, I, I don't expect this game to be super close. It'll be interesting to see how the coaches play that and getting guys playing time either to preserve uh, people who are banged up a little bit or to try to get some some reps for folks to have some chemistry together to be used uh, later on in the season, not to mention the red shirt implications that it could have for young players as well. Oh, yeah. Well, and you have I think this will be a really good opportunity for Draymond Jones, who's, you know, considered a top 10 draft pick already anyway, but he's still not the, you know, the first name you think of when you think defender at OSU you think Nick Bosa so but he's been having monster games and I feel like everybody who sort of was wondering why he was a top 10 pick or considered a top 10 pick um you know now there's like oh that's why and so this is really going to give him a good opportunity to show you know scouts what he can do while the you know the spotlight's going to be on him like how does he step up because he is one of the more senior guys 
how does he stand up and lead that defense? Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, Alexis, we are recording on Thursday night. I am currently watching the New York J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 and the Cleveland Browns have a punt fest. Uh, oh, and the Jets just blocked a punt, so congratulations to them. But a little bit of an interesting uh, story about uh, Thursday night's game when it comes to a former Ohio State star. So Carlos Hyde was late to the game today because his wife was induced last night and is having a baby. And it's also his birthday, which is exciting. So happy birthday, El Guapo and future baby. Um, <laughs> maybe. And- I mean, maybe depending on how this is going, it might not happen until tomorrow. So maybe they won't share a birthday. Oh, that's true. Oh, my gosh. I hope for her sake that's not true. Oh, can you that's, imagine? That's a really long labor. So hopefully you guys share a birthday, which is good. And happy birthday. Yeah. Um, and elsewhere in NFL land, Michael Thomas last week for the Saints had 12 catches, 89 yards, and two touchdowns on his way to being like the most targeted receiver ever in NFL history. He won't be catching passes from JT Barrett, though. He was released from the practice squad today, which is sad. I know. But he'll probably be one of those players that bounces on and off of it as they need to rotate for injuries. Um, So I definitely don't think this is the last we'll see of him. Uh, Billy Price also updated everyone. He is not having surgery. It's on his foot, not his ankle. Um, He's going for a second opinion and is going to be in a walking boot for at least two weeks. So he's out against Carolina and Atlanta, which is bad news for the Bengals. But um, Sam Hubbard's killing it. So at least there's one Buckeye down there doing good. Yeah. I I don't root for the Bengals, but I root for the Buckeyes on the Bengals. So yeah, that's exactly how I feel. (laughs) All right. So um, uh, Alexis, I I don't want to talk about this for a second because it's a lot of minutia and nobody pays attention to college basketball at this time of year anyway. But Chris Holtman is out on the road right now recruiting players, not only for the 2019, but for the 2020 classes. And he is everywhere. He is killing it. It looks like he is getting ready to land two incredible classes. And I'm so, so excited for college basketball to start because I love everything that Chris Holtman has done with this team and his program since taking over. We have a little bit of a rundown of his, some of his recent recruiting actions. I'll put a link in the podcast article over on Land Grant if you want to check that out because he's been all over the place checking out some of the best players in the country. Basketball is going to be so exciting, like for the next while. Yeah, they might not be very good this this season, but they're going to be interesting. They're going to be fun. Yeah, they'll be a fun group of guys, young guys. So it should bring a lot of energy. Yep. Real quick, Alexis, I'm going to run through this weekend's schedule for the rest of the Buckeyes. On Friday afternoon, uh, the women's field hockey team will take on Maryland in College Park at 4 p.m. The men's soccer team will host the Northwestern Wildcats at 7.30. The women's tennis team will take place in the Furman Fall Classic all day down in Greenville, South Carolina. On Saturday, obviously, the football team will be hosting Tulane at 3.30 p.m. Then on Sunday, there's a trio of events. First up, The field hockey team will be playing the Rutgers Scarlet Knights at 1 p.m. out in Piscataway. The women's volleyball team will be hosting Penn State also at 1 o'clock. That will be at home. And then finally, the women's soccer team will take on Northwestern over in Evanston. So lots of stuff going on both in Columbus and out there. So if you want to check out some sort of Ohio State athletics but can't get into the shoe, there's something for you to check out. Now, finally, Alexis, we are here at the point of the show where you and I 
kind of suck at our predictions. But uh, after last week, when you predicted 62 points for the Buckeyes, are you trying to, are you going to come back down to earth with your predictions for the Ohio State and Tulane game? You always set me up so poorly for this. <laughs> uh, so my prediction, which I didn't even tell you beforehand, so get ready to have your mind blown, is 68-10. Be- I, I, right? Because Urban Meyer's back and those boys are going to make a statement. Plus it's Tulane. Plus it's at home. Plus it's Tulane. <laughs> and I, uh, I really think they just... They really step up. Urban Meyer is going to keep uh, some of the, I don't know, the big plays at bay. I think he's going to tighten the reins a little bit. And I don't know. It should be fun. I, I'm excited. The only thing that I will will disagree with you on that is the fact that, yes, it's Tulane, but Penn State's next. So I, I really think that we'll see an, even an exaggerated version of what we saw against Oregon State and Rutgers, where instead of players coming out after a series in the second half, I don't know that starters are going to make it to the second half. If you listen to Patrick and Colton's preview of the Tulane game, Tulane is an offense that has the ability for big plays, but they kind of live and die by the big plays. So I don't expect them to put up the 30 points or so that Oregon State put up, but I think they're going to score. I I think I'm going to go... 58-13. Okay, so I mean, that's not that no. different from mine. No, not not at all. Um, 58-13, and I, I think that some of those scoring drives will be engineered by one Tate Martell. But you know what? Meyer's back. Yeah, well, yeah. Urban Meyer's back, which means Tate Martell could actually start for all we know. Right. Yay, Tate Martell time. Meyer's back. <laughs> Tate time. <laughs> yep. Um, speaking of Tate time and the alliteration with the T's, did just want to give a plug for an article I wrote earlier this week that apparently everybody in the world hates without having read. Um, <laughs> I love it so much. Uh, you know, with all of the hype about turnover props, I made a completely serious, not at all tongue in cheek, not sarcastic, not satiric article at all about some suggestions about things Ohio State could adopt to get in line with the turnover tradition or the turnover prop tradition, the three that I suggested were a turnover turnover. Alexis, you and I both share something that we both had jobs early in our lives at the one and only the great roast beef restaurant Arby's. So turnovers are very dear to us. Then I suggested a, a turnover tuxedo. Turned out probably not a good idea. And then the last one, reclaiming one of the dark moments in Ohio State's recent history, I suggested a turnover tattoo. So if you want to read my explanations for all of those, I'll have a link. It's probably on the front page of Land Grant still. I'm not serious about any of these things, people. I know they're idiotic. They're, they're idiotic on purpose. If they, if they ran out on the field with a bag of turnover icing, you know. Oh, you I love that love turnover it. icing. I know you would. I really do. I was telling you earlier that I got a bag of that for my birthday when I worked there because it's so good on curly fries. Try it. You're, you're missing out. That's really weird. <laughs> it's not. It's sweet and salty and everything good. I, ca- I kind of feel like that could be a description of me, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening to The Hangout in the Holy Land. You can find all of our episodes of the podcast on LandGrantHolyLand.com, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your daily dose of podcast goodness. You can check out this show on Twitter at HolyLandPod. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. You can follow Alexis at LovelyBuckeye. 
And you can follow the site at LandGrant33 on Twitter and at LandGrantHolyLand on Instagram and Facebook. Folks, this is our last tune-up game before things get super serious. Biggest game of the year, in my opinion, at least in terms of actual non-rivalry implications, is next week. So this will be a time to hopefully get healthy, sure some things up, and then get ready for Penn State. So enjoy the game this weekend, and as always, go Bucks. Go Bucks. Come back, Carson Wentz, and save us all. Yay, Tate Martell time! <laughs>